I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. Welcome back to the Minnesota Twins SB Nation podcast. Here I am with Andrew Gibo. We've got a great week of Twins baseball to talk about where they split a series with St. Louis and swept Cleveland and beat the best pitcher in the game. Andrew, how was, it was just a great week all around. What do you think? Uh, it certainly was a great week. Getting that sweep at home against Cleveland was uh, was really phenomenal. And then beating Shane Bieber there in game one set the tone. And I'm excited to talk about a, a great week there for the Minnesota Twins. Absolutely. It's going to be great. We're going to talk about, well, of course, the, the past week, just all the games, swept sweep Cleveland. We'll bring up the Sergio Romo over and Francisco Lindor controversy that came up. We'll talk about the Brent, Brent Rooker and Luisa Rise injuries being replaced by Mitt, uh, Max Kepler. And then Mitch Garver looks to be on his way back. And what will Ryan Jeffers' role turn into when Garver's returns? When Garver returns, we will do worried or whatever, just Randy Dobnak for this week because the Twins had a good week, so there's not much to be worried about. We'll then talk about the upcoming White Sox series, uh, and then talk about Albert Pujols recently hitting 660 home runs, tying Willie Mays. We will discuss if milestones are still as valuable today as they once were, and we'll get all get into all that right now. So as I said, the Twins went 5-1, and one, split versus St. Louis, a doubleheader. Very rare to take both games, but it was, it was a good day overall. That was their only loss of the week was Game 2. Of course, they went on to sweep Cleveland, and beat Shane Bieber. It was just a great week. The game against Shane Bieber was Kenta Maeda outdueled the likely Cy Young, and he just looked overall great. Ryan Jeffers played well. What did what, you see that game that really stood out to you? Yeah, first thing is I don't think Shane Bieber is the just likely Cy Young. I mean, he is no? the American League Cy Young winner. I mean, it's not oh, even a, okay, sure, a likely. Okay. It's just you can take it's how it's the bank yeah. at this point. Okay, yeah, he's going gotcha. to win the AL Cy Young, and I think Beating him there in, in game one was was huge. Uh, you know, you go into this pivotal series against a division rival, sort of jockeying for postseason seeding, and you just sweep them and you beat their best pitcher. Not just their best pitcher, the best pitcher in the American League, maybe even the best pitcher in all of Major League Baseball. Uh, so that was a huge win. That was kind of a statement win. Getting that, that series sweep was huge. It was really nice to see the bats sort of come alive again. A little resurgence of the, the Bomba squad from 2019 with some new, not new, but new to the 2020 production, if you will. Williams Ostadio kind of got in the mix a little bit. He had a home run. Marwin got hot in that series. You know, Byron Buxton stayed hot. Had a little bit of a scare there when he crashed into the wall, but overall that was a phenomenal series, and it was just the kind of series this team this team needed at this point in the season. Absolutely, and both uh, Ryan Jeffers, Brent Rooker also came up big, hitting home runs, and yeah, it was just great series. The Twins were able to, yeah, as you said, just take it from Shane Bieber. Kent Maeda went was it seven strong innings, and then they shut him down the rest of the way. But yeah, it was great because you go into the you go into the Cleveland series, of course, going. You gotta if if you can take Game One against Shane Bieber, like you're set. Like that's all. If you can do that, you're good. And they go out. They just looked great. We'd been missing the Bomba Squad, the, as they were called last year, and just all season. And they it, this series, it just felt like it, it did last year, where 
no matter the deficit you're in, if you're down, it does it does not feel at all like you're out of the game for the Twins. Like they're always there's always a chance they can come back. They remember they'd be down today, and it was like to Sunday the final game of the series, and it was like, all right, well, there's no chance the Twins lose. They're coming back. It's no doubt, and they ended up winning seven to five. So overall, just it was great to have the offense back to the level they. Not, of course, the level they were last year, just because they may never reach that in their entire franchise history, but just a resemblance even of just what they were last year. It was, it was great to see. It really was. And, and on game two, so Saturday night, I guess in that Cleveland series, they hit five home runs. Exactly, yeah. We haven't seen that from this team this year. So that was, it was just really nice to, to see that power resurgence in that lineup. Yeah, for sure. And then, as I mentioned, we will talk about the Sergio Romo and Francisco Lindor controversy. So... Sergio Romo came in game one after Randy Dobnek. He gets a 1-2-3 inning, gets Lindor to pop out. Lindor pops it up, smiles at him as if to say, like, nice pitch. I nearly hit that, you know. To me, it was like, man, I just missed because they didn't like each other before this because of a controversy earlier. Like Lindor was like, yeah, I could have hit that for a bomb. You got me. And Romo was like, you know, shut up. You're out. I hate you. I'm really fired up. And then they started going at it for a while. It was, it was interesting. I... I'm not mad at really either of them. A lot of people are mad at Romo. What do you think? It's hard to be mad at anyone. I can understand, I guess, where Romo kind of gets frustrated. He yeah, probably felt like sure. he, may, he makes a good pitch. And Frankie Lindor is a phenomenal baseball player, pops it up and then kind of says, oh, I almost had that one. Right. And if you're Romo, it's kind of like a shot. You know, it, it's in this in a sense showing him up a little bit. Romo's been in this league for a very long time. He is the most accomplished player in his position and the active among active pitchers and relief pitchers in Major League Baseball. The man's a three-time World Series champion. He's been an all-star. He's, he's accomplished a lot in this game. And so I can understand why Sergio Romo kind of has that edge to him now. He's always had it, but I think now it's gotten a little bit bigger just because, you know, like I said, earlier he's accomplished more in this game at his position than any other active player so Romo's earned the right to have this arrogance to him this swag and if, and if the guy even though Frankie Lindor is a, a phenomenal baseball player even a guy like Frankie Lindor is kind of showing him up a little bit I don't I don't blame Sergio Romo for, for getting upset about that yeah me neither and a lot of people were mad at Romo saying he should just let it go but it's like he does this after every outing like he gets pumped up all the time and you know He's, as you said, the most accomplished relief pitcher in the game. And he does, he's a, certainly a guy, Romo, that needs the crowd buffer so the other team can't hear what he's saying because it's probably <laughs> pretty nasty. Like, it's probably not the nicest thing, but uh, yeah, the street doesn't care. He's like, all right, no crowd. I'm still going to do my usual thing. That's who I am. And he's been doing it all year. The Indians don't like it, obviously. They've been chirping him for a month now or whatever it's been. And Lindor finally got under his nerves and Romo let him have it. And if it weren't for Miguel Sano, they probably would have gone at it for a while. But, yeah, it was. I don't blame either of them. Lindor, he's fine. Romo, he's fine. It's competitive baseball in a division race. Like, it's, exactly. I, it, it's, it's fun. Like, I don't care. I'm not mad and, at them. And the one-game suspension that was levied right. on Romo there really didn't matter. He no. wasn't going to pitch them back-to-back days to begin with. And so it just, he didn't get paid for a day, but Romo's right. earned close to $40 million throughout <laughs> his career. I don't think he's too concerned about missing one, you know, one day of pay. Um, and then he ended up pitching today on, on Sunday and he pitched well and he was able to close out the game and we just keep moving forward. This is who yeah. Romo's going to be. He's earned the right to have this arrogance about him and that's, people need to just understand that and accept this is who Sergio Romo is. That's yeah. why we love him. Yeah, exactly. Ryan Jeffers had a good quote after the game, basically saying, like, 
this is who Romo is. I'm not going to tell him to stop. I don't think anyone should tell him to stop. Like he's earned it basically. And he's, this is who he is. Like he's going to keep it going. And I'm with Jeffers. I don't think in any way Romo should change. It's that just doesn't make sense. Like, okay. Lindor got under his skin. Romo went at him a little bit. Like it's fun baseball. Jeffers is right. And I'm glad he said something. Yeah. I mean, I remember one time when, when Sergio was in San Francisco early in his career, he kind of was mouthing off to Bruce Bochy when Bochy came out to Poland. That's just who Romo <laughs> is. He's, he's a fiery competitor. Good. That's, that's great, man. All right. So yeah, Romo, that whole controversy, Romo indoors, just, it's kind of brushed over now. I don't think it was that big of a deal. It's what happens in baseball and with no crowd. I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often, honestly. So yeah, uh, moving on from that, Brent Rooker, who had been just heating up for the Twins, playing outfield, uh, filling in for Max Kepler, got nailed by a pitch right in the forearm and fractured it, which he will now be out for the season, and which sucks because he was a lot of fun to watch. He was performing very well, but Kepler has taken he took his place immediately the day after, but. It sucks to see Rooker go down, especially as he was just heating up, getting his home runs going, and, man, he's fun to watch out there. I know you loved him. I do love him, and it really does suck, lack of a better <laughs> word there, that this happened to him. Uh, he's, he's come up, and he's just looked the part. He's looked like he belongs in the big leagues. He's put together quality at-bats. We started seeing the home run power. You know, we'd seen a ton of the gap-to-gap, a lot of doubles power from him, high exit velocity. And he was finally starting to get the ball out of the yard a little bit. And then this happens, and it's incredibly unfortunate. But at the same time, these are – this is part of baseball. These injuries are going to happen. And I guess, in a, in a sense, the Minnesota Twins kind of lucked out on the timing of it that it happens right before Max Kepler's eligible to come off the IL. So you basically replace Brett Rooker with Max Kepler, and, and they just keep moving forward. And he's going to be missed, but they have the depth to overcome it. And then hopefully, you know, Rutgers on the squad to start 2021, and we can see a lot more from him. For sure. And with Kepler returning, it was likely Rooker would either be sent down or placed on the bench. It just sucks that that result had to happen with he him getting a fractured forearm. Like, that's the worst way for him to go out when just a day later he's going to lose probably a very large chunk of playing time to Max Kepler, who is going to be the leading uh, leadoff right fielder in the uh, game one of the playoffs. So. As he should be. Right, absolutely. There's, I have no problem with that. He has had an excellent year, but he's a very good player. The only so, yeah. kind of, um, I mean, there's a lot of downsides to the, the Rooker injury, but one of them, and I think it's not talked about a lot, is that now in, in the outfield depth chart, the fourth and fifth outfielders, they're both left-handed. And yeah. of the three starting left outfielders, yep. two of them are left-handed hitters as well. So now they're carrying four left-handed hitting outfielders, and you got Marwin, who's a switch hitter who can play some outfield as well. That's a very left-handed heavy outfield, and I think that could potentially pose some matchup problems for this team as they get into the postseason. For sure. And you, so I've heard, like, well, then why don't they call up Kirloff or Larnick? Well, they're both left-handed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Unless they like, want to call up Royce and right, Lewis. Right, yeah. And just have them play right and left field, which it's not going to happen. There's no way. Rooker was, like, the one guy where you can – I thought he should have been up here much sooner. Like he's, he can just fill in perfectly. He's right-handed. Everything works, but he's right. down. So now they got just everyone lefty except Buxton out there and Marwin. I guess he can, but he's not likely to, you know, play start in a playoff game or anything. So especially in the outfield. Got, and then you got Asadio as well, who can play some corner outfield. Yeah, the right but if side. he ends up out there, you just forfeit the game at that point. If, Something's if, gone horribly if, wrong. 
Yeah, if we're starting a postseason game with William yep. Zasadio in right field, there's there's something there. So there's a much larger <laughs> issue going on here. Right. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. It sucks to see Booker go down that way, but with him likely losing playing time, it's not like a huge loss for him. I mean, it sucks to see him get hurt, but not something that'll affect the Twins season per se. Do you agree with that? I agree with that. It's, just, right. it's an unfortunate injury that happened, right. but it's not going to hold this team back from accomplishing what they're trying to accomplish this year. All right, yeah. So, yeah, moved. Uh, staying on the topic of rookies, we mentioned Ryan Jeffers a bit, but he, over the last week, has just heated up. Like, he, against Shane Bieber, had, I think, was it two of the hardest hit balls against him all year, and one of them for a home run. Like, he just went off in the pitch framing he's had. I posted, yeah, just, he's been just crazy, like, He's looking great, both both behind the plates and at the plate when hitting. And I'm very excited to see what he can continue to do. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Jeffers has been a, a real joy to watch, um, especially what he did to Garrett there against Bieber. There, there was a, a stretch where the bat wasn't really there, and you were kind of questioning, is his bat really ready yeah. for the big league level defensively? He can handle the catcher position at the major league level, but the bat just hadn't really fully come around. This past week, we started to see that you know, this kid can hit. You know, he he belongs in the big leagues, and it's, it was really nice to see that from him. Yeah, for sure. And it's a problem that maybe a good problem to have. Mitch Garver and Alex Avila are likely to come off. Is have you heard on Avila? I know Garver is. I don't know if about Avila is he coming off soon. I don't know if you know. I haven't heard anything on Avila, but I do know Garver is eligible to come off soon. Okay, so Garver for sure is going to be coming off probably by the end of the week here, and. He's probably he was the 2019 Silver Slugger. How do you decide who plays? Do you cut Jeffers' playing time? Is it a 50-50? Do you go back to Garber getting 65%? I mean, I honestly have no idea. Like, what what do you do? So I'm looking at it right now, and you know, in professional sports in general, it's kind of the old adage of "What have you done for me lately?" And okay. you know, Mitch, Mitch Garber had a phenomenal 2019 campaign. Not going to take anything away from the guy there. Uh, what he did last year was legendary almost but if you look at the numbers right now it's you know limited sample size uh, jeffers only had 43 plate appearances he's got a 127 wrc plus mitch garver prior to hitting the il had a 36 wrc plus and about 20 more at bats so yeah. right now right now ryan jeffers is a better player than mitch garver just off the numbers in what he's done at the big league level in 2020 so I'm not totally convinced that when Mitch Garver is healthy and comes off the IL, you slate him in as your everyday catcher and you put Ryan Jeffers as your backup. Ryan Jeffers has been a better player than Mitch Garver in 2020. All right, yeah, and I guess Mitch Garver, like, he did have just one good season. Like, he was the 2019 Silver Slugger, and when he comes back, I expect him to get his fair share of opportunity just because kind of got to see what he got for the playoffs. And, man, it's going to be tough to really just split those two. If Jeffers continues like he's playing and Garber picks up just a little, I mean, well, not just a little, because that would be like a 50 WRC plus, and, well, that's no good. Uh, <laughs> man, it's going to be tough because, like, what do you do? Do you keep the rookie in or do you keep the, the not veteran, per se, for Garber, but, like, fourth-year guy? It's it's going to be weird. And maybe Avila, like, okay, so if Avila were back, who are your two playoff catchers right now? Like, that's... It's tough. I don't. I don't know who I'd. It. It is. If I had tough. to pick, yeah. I don't the know. thing. The thing about Avila is he gives you the left-handed option, right? right. He kind of gives that matchup option. 
with Jeffers and Garber both being right-handed. But I'm going to stick with it, and I'm going to say right now, I think Ryan Jeffers makes the Minnesota Twins a better team than Mitch Garber, based off what like we it. had seen from Mitch before he went on the I.O. Plus he's come, yeah, plus now he's coming off injury. You don't know what you're getting. I think I'm with you. I, th- I thought I was leaning towards the other side, just giving Mitch more playing time to see if he's got it, but I, I, I've changed my mind a little. you got to ride the hot hand. you got to ride the guy who's making your current baseball team a much better baseball team, and that's undoubtedly Ryan Jeffers, both on the offensive side and the defensive side. So I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah, Ryan Jeffers is also a really good defensive catcher. And Mitch Garber right. has gotten, gotten better on the defensive side of his position, but he still isn't necessarily – I mean, he might be an average sure. big league catcher, but Ryan Jeffers, he's proven he can handle this position defensively at a very high level. Yeah, and he's, man, and he's swinging the bat better than Garber was. And also, <laughs> kind of sort of resembles Mitch Garber. Yeah, I agree with that a lot, actually. <laughs> it's like a little doppelganger. Hitting style. Almost. Right. Yeah, every, yeah. It's like you're getting a little, like, watered-down 2019 Mitch Garber with Ryan Jeffers, and I will take that every day of the week. Like, that's what we were hoping to get. That's what we kept talking about. At the beginning of the season for Mitch Garber, like we'd want a just lesser 2019 version of him, and we eventually got that. His name is just Ryan Jeffers, right? Not a complete 180 degree difference of 2019 Mitch Garber, which is what the 2020 Mitch Garber is. Exactly, complete polar opposite. Yes, just get nothing done, hopeless up there. Fastball can't hit a fastball right down the middle. So I mean, I'd love to see him improve. Garber was just he was one of my favorite players to watch last year, and. If you can get back to that, that would be great. But right now, I'm with you. Jeffers is your guy, and you got to stick with him. He's the catcher of the future as well, I think. Garver will stick around. He'll be here, but he's Garver's like 28, 29 right now. So he's not he exactly is. young like Ryan Jeffers. And Garver's had one good year. Like, I love him, mm-hmm. but he's got to prove himself again. So, yeah. And he's going to get the opportunity to prove himself. I guarantee when he comes off the IL, he's immediately going to be thrown into the starting lineup. For probably about three or you know three games or so, depending on schedule, you know day game, night game, that can impact how many consecutive start a catcher gets. But he's going to get his chance, and and if Garver can come out and it's like okay, well Mitch Garver's back, then maybe that is a better option. But as it stands right now, Ryan Jeffers is a better option for the Minnesota Twins at the catching position. Okay, yeah, I'd expect probably a fifty-fifty split between the two when Garver returns, at least to start, and then they'll see how it shakes out. So, finishing that up, we'll move on to our weekly segment. Just, are we worried, or is it just whatever with this certain player? This week, it's someone who I didn't think would be on this list this all year. Randy Dobnak, who, you pulled up the stats on him earlier. Do you still have those of his last three starts? I do, and it is uh, not awesome. pretty. No. Over, over his last three starts, he's one and two, if you care about win-loss record for starting pitchers. That's all I care about. Yeah, right. <laughs> He has an 8.25 ERA. And it's just, it hasn't been pretty. He had one good start uh, at home against Detroit. Five innings, four hits, no earned runs, four strikeouts. Nothing spectacular, not a quality start, doesn't have enough innings. But the start before that, he goes four and a third, gives up six earned runs. His most recent start. Uh, part of that doubleheader in St. Louis, he goes two and two thirds and gives up five earned runs. Did the BABIP against him has jumped up to over those last three games? Is that four nineteen? Like he's getting hit around a little bit, and and to be honest, I'm not really surprised by this. Uh, what Dobnak had done his all of his starts prior to his last three and then kind of dominating the league, and it was 
oh, this Randy Dobnak guy, this incredible story. Look how elite he is. And it was just, he was never really truly that good. I think in some ways, maybe he got a little bit lucky. Um, and what we're seeing now is probably more indicative of who he is. I don't think he's two and two thirds and five earned runs bad, but he's <laughs> also not a dominant starting pitcher. So I'm not worried about him. Just kind of whatever. This is what I expected from Randy Dobnak. But I think this ultimately this will help us shape the postseason rotation in realizing that realistically, barring some sort of injuries or unforeseen circumstances that we don't see right now, Randy Dobnak probably is not going to be in a postseason starting rotation. Yeah, it's expected expected regression that was not hard to see if you just looked at like the statistics. His strikeouts were always low. The batters were always hitting him hard. It was just he, he was getting lucky, and he was making pitches. Fielders were making plays behind him, but ultimately, like every other pitcher ever, he regressed back to the mean, and that was bound to happen, and it, it did. And he, as you were saying, you know, he's not like this elite pitcher. We see what he, he's kind of he's like a three, four back rotation guy, not the one to two we were seeing earlier. So he's still a solid. Like, there's obviously not too much to worry about. It's been three starts that we're analyzing, but it could continue. Likely won't get crazy better like it was at the beginning of the year so I, I think he's regressing back and yeah I think you're right he's just he's not the elite guy we saw he's a back end rotation starter that would slide into most teams rotations in the back so right I mean he's a, four, a good pitcher right he is, exactly for a four or five starter in your rotation he's great gives you five right. six innings two runs three whatever it may be but he is not this front of the rotation dominant guy you can turn the ball to every fifth day and be like hey we're going to win today because we have Randy Dobnik on the mound. For a little bit there, he was, but the underlying numbers didn't necessarily support that. And so, like you had said, it, what you had touched on, this is just sort of expected regression. If you if you've been paying attention, you kind of knew this was going to happen to Randy Dobnik at some point. Right, right, right. And I mean, it is what it is. He's yeah. I I fell for the he's this elite pitcher. I didn't think it'd continue all the way into next year per se, but I thought he'd be. He'd be really good all the way through this year. He'd be a top three playoff guy. And I was wrong. I've been wrong a few times on this podcast. Yeah, you, you, uh, you wanted to slate Randy Dobnak ahead of Jose Barrios in a postseason I don't remember saying that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> we can play it back. Hey, no. Nah, I mean, we can just we can just trust my word on that one. I mean, <laughs> no. You're right. I did say that. I was, I was really high on a Barrios dislike that day. And that, that, that's my bad. <laughs> Yeah, so Randy Dobnak has come back to just the mean, and that is what it is. This is who he is. Just the stats you see now, more like more than what he was earlier. So, so are you worried, or are you whatever on Dobnak? Uh, yeah, I for the short term, like his next two starts, I guess I'm worried. But for the long term, it's whatever. This is just who he is. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're on the same page right there. Okay, cool. Not, nothing to be worried about because it's not like all of a sudden you're. Not like Ma- supposed it's not to like, be the ace. Right. right, it's not like Kinta Maeda has went out there and had, you know, two horrible starts out of his last three, and you're kind of like, oh, my God, what's happening to Kinta Maeda? That's not the case. It's Randy Dobnak. We never expected Dobnak to be the guy he was for, you know, first number of starts on the season. It was a pleasant surprise, and what we're seeing now is more of who he really is, and so it's just whatever. This is who Randy Dobnak is. Absolutely. Yeah. We were spoiled with Dobnak for a while. He was 
I mean, at, in spring training, there was no guarantee he'd even be in the rotation. But some injuries popped up, and he was able to slide in about four months later when the season started getting played. So, yeah, I mean, this is about who he is, and it's expected. So, good discussion there. Dobnak was our, really our only guy. Okay, so last week, I'm just going to bring this up quick. We talked about Marwin Gonzalez and about how we were very, I think we said both said worried, right? Last week? Yes. And then he goes out this week. And he just hits like two to three bombs. Uh, he just has a really good week because, of course, he does. Are you are you back on um, Marwin Gonzalez, or what do you think? Um, I think it was a pleasant surprise. It was nice to see him have a hot week, but I, I don't necessarily buy into all of a sudden Marwin Gonzalez is going to be a cornerstone of this lineup and, and be okay. an imposing figure. It was just he had a couple of really good games, and and props to Marwin. You know, give him a good yeah. clap. But beyond <laughs> that, it's I'm just expecting more of the lesser side of his production. Yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. He, like, he hit the home run and just, he wouldn't even look happy. He'd be like, it's about time I did this. Like, he'd just look down and be like, all right, I needed this and just run the bases. It was pretty good. He still has an 89 WRC+. plus. Yeah, it's not going to improve. Too. It'll probably stay right around there. I'd expect him to Sorry, sixty. Keep... Sorry, 64. Oh, my God. What? Who has 89? Where'd you get that? It just it was a different long long number, but yeah, age sixty four WRC plus this year for Marvin Gonzalez. That is much much worse. I would definitely expect him to improve up improve upon that in the last ten games or so. My goodness, thirteen. I don't know how many games with, but yeah. All right, that sums up that we are not worried about Dobnek and Marvin Gonzalez was just thrown in there as a discussion, and yeah, he's he is what it is. Now we're just gonna have a quick word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we are back and we're going to talk about the upcoming White Sox series that the Twins will have. They will have four games. First one will be Barrios versus Cease, then Dobnak versus the rookie uh, Dane Dunning. I guess Dobnak's rookie too, so rookie versus rookie there. The third game, it looks like it's going to be Lucas Giolito versus Jake Odorizzi, I think I actually just found out. So that's slated there. And then the fourth game, it should be uh, Kenta Maeda versus, I don't think the White Sox have their fourth starter up, or do they? Yep, no, they don't. Kenta Maeda is slated for the fourth game, so... But the Twins, it looks like they'll be getting Jake Odorizzi back, and then really their top, well, no, not top four. They have five really solid starting pitchers when Odorizzi's in the rotation. Where do you, th- okay, I, we weren't going to talk about this, we didn't write it down. What happens to Rich Hill now if Odorizzi returns? I could see him going into more of a bullpen role. Um, I, I, honestly, on his start on Saturday night against Cleveland, 
I was shocked that he was even able to get five. He ran into some trouble there in the fourth inning. It kind of seems like you get about three good innings out of Rich Hill, and then you just kind of hold your breath and hope you can get through five and not blow up. And I don't necessarily, absolutely. I don't want that from a starting pitcher in the postseason. Yep, absolutely. I can't see him at all start starting a game in the postseason unless he's expected to go two innings or less. Like he's a five inning pitcher at most in the regular season. Like he's there's no way at his age and with his injury status that he could he's not gonna go six. We're not gonna send him out for six unless he's at forty pitches or something. Like that's just who he is now and that's fine. That's what the twins needed this season from him and they got what they needed. And now he'll be moved to the bullpen and when they roster crunch he'll likely make it as a long reliever and he can probably come in for late innings and just get in a couple outs and that's good I, he'll be a good guy to have back there but speaking of the White Sox series coming up the twins after the sweep of Cleveland are still just one game out the White Sox went and won four in a row as the twins won three in a row it's just that's how it goes doesn't make sense it's really annoying how important to you is it to win the division if you're a twins it's fan? not it's not incredibly important. Um, if it was a normal season, we've talked about this before, it's a lot more important, you know, because even if they make a wild card under normal circumstances, they have that one game playoff, which is just a roll of the dice. I, those one game playoffs are just dangerous, yeah. you know, for a team because you could run into a really good team and, and just get bounced after one game. But they will at least have a three game series. A three game series is still has its problems right you could lose to a lesser team in a three-game series but overall it's not a huge deal to win the division the only way it really matters is on postseason seeding but it's a little early to get into that there's still enough baseball to be played i would like to see them win the division but overall it's not a, a make it or break it thing for me okay for sure I would love to win the division. I think it's just you get you get to hang a banner banner there this year, right? So you get to hang the Pope one right. central division banner. That's always fun, and that's all us Twins fans really have. And so, but also because if you're the number one seed, I think you would face Cleveland instead of the likely number five seed, which would be the Yankees most likely. Of course, we've still got a lot of baseball left to play, but as it stands right now, well, it'd be the Blue Jays, but the Yankees are half game behind the Blue Jays and. I, I don't know. The division also getting the one seed in the AL postseason would be really nice. That's where the some of the White Sox are standing. Who would have thought? If you bring up any of anything I've talked about on here about the White Sox before the season, I would look like an idiot, as many people would. I thought they would be below five hundred. And they're thirty and sixteen. Like what the heck happened? I, I did also say a lot. They could either be really, really good or just, you know, because they they're a team with a bunch of guys that can get really streaky. And that's maybe what happened here. Or they're just super good, but I still doubt it because I don't want to believe it. Um, they have the White Sox, man, facing them. How do you think? How do you think the series is going to go? Is this important to you? It is important uh, for some of the things that you touched on. Just winning the division is nice. I'd rather win the division than not, but I'm not overly concerned if they don't. Uh, the White Sox. I mean, <laughs> look at what Jose Abreu has done this year, and it's incredible. The man has a 166 mm. WRC plus. Yeah. He is, he's, slug, like he's, he's slugging. He's in the writing for MVP. Yeah, he's. You think? I mean, it's either gonna be him or Trout, right? I, I can't think of it anyone else. He's, man, Jose Abreu winning MVP would suck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the White Sox—they've been better than expected. I think we all expected them to be an improved team than they were last right. year. 
uh, the amount they've improved. I don't think we all saw this coming, but I still kind of question if they would be this good over a full 162. But they've certainly played well and, and kind of, you know, tip the cap to the White Sox or the team they've, they've put together out there, yeah. and the production they've gotten from those guys. At least Robert is a phenomenal baseball player. Uh, Tim Anderson just always seems to get hits. They, you know, Dallas Keuchel's been surprisingly very good for them. So they've they've done a lot of good, lot of things really well, and and so good for the White Sox. And it would certainly be nice to go in there and take three out of four and move atop the division. But if it doesn't happen and they end up finishing second in the division, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, the Dallas Keuchel acquisition is one that makes it. I get more frustrated with that than any because I ripped them for that so much. Like, they got a lefty to face this Twins lineup, and he's shot him down every time he's faced them, which is, oh, well. <laughs> and as you said in a 162 game series, would they be this good? I doubt it, but I keep doubting them, and there's 30 and 16. Also, they don't have to prove how good they'd be in 162 because they're the best team in baseball right now in a 60 game. Also, their run differential is plus 77. It's the it's only behind the Dodgers and Padres by one run behind San Diego. And, man, this team is just good, and I hate it because I was hoping the White Sox would be terrible. But they're, like, the third-best team in baseball. So it is what it is. And I, and I think the pitching does match up well. Um, the Dobnak game, which we just talked on Dobnak, some concern there. I've, hopefully he goes out and proves me wrong, and he pitches really well against the White Sox, but I could see them dropping game two there if Dobnak doesn't have his best stuff. The Odorizzi versus Giolito, you know, I would honestly rather see Maeda take that start against Giolito there. Me too. Let Maeda go on regular rest. If he throws game four, he has an extra day of rest. You don't always know what that can do to a pitcher, um, especially they've been consistently throwing every fifth day. Odorizzi's coming off the IL. I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world to give Odorizzi that extra day, let him start game four of that series. But, I mean, ultimately that decision's up to up to Rocco and, and not me. I just think that Maeda matches up a lot better against Giolito than Odorizzi does at this point. Right, me too. And maybe they'll end up flipping that. They they could still do that. I don't think this is completely finalized, just what I'm seeing on the MLB.com. So perhaps it is true. Maybe it'll, they can still flip it. But I'd love to see Maeda versus Giolito just right after uh, we saw Maeda versus Bieber. Just, I'd love to see him face off against both guys and potentially beat both guys. Yeah, and then I believe, too, maybe I'm kind of putting the cart before the horse here, but if Maeda does throw on that Wednesday game against the White Sox, that makes him available. No, it does not. I'll say maybe makes him available for the Cubs series. That's going to be another really tough series, too. This road trip coming up starting on Monday, that's going to be a gauntlet of a road trip. You go on the road to Chicago and you face a really good White Sox team and then you four games there and then you head to the north side and you face a really good Chicago Cubs team. They had their work cut out for them this week, for sure. Absolutely. It's going to be a great test just because the Twins, they're they're basically a lock for the playoffs, but you want to win. You want to get that, those good seeds. You want to win the division. That's probably a priority for the players, so it'd be great. You want to, of course, stay healthy, so how much will these guys be pushed? That'll be a good question just to watch, and especially against the Cubs, who are 28-20. and 20. Twins are the better team this year, but the Cubs are undeniably good, and some of, I guess I'll bring up how how much do you push the guys like Donaldson, Bucks, Rizzi, na- name name a player, p- draw a name out of a hat. How much do you push that guy before for the playoff push here when you don't need to win the division? You know, 
Exactly. And I think it'll be very interesting to see how Rocco manages that here in this last two weeks of the season. Like we've touched on quite a bit here in the show tonight. It's not incredibly important to win the division. Yes, it's nice to get the banner. Everyone feels good. Hey, we're back to back division champs. <laughs> yeah, you give us a pat on the back. Look what we did. That's all fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter all that much. And so I would probably prefer to see Rocco manage this smartly. Obviously, manage to win, but don't manage this as if you have to win every single game and treat them all as a game seven type scenario. If you need to give a guy a day off, give him a day off. This team's going to the postseason, whether they win the division or not. It would be nice to win the division, not necessary. Let's not hurt ourselves and risk injury to win a division title when we don't necessarily have to. Yeah, yeah, okay. Makes sense. It's just a bit worrisome. I like to I keep talking about the seeding because right now it seems like the Twins are most likely to be seeded with the New York Yankees. And since, like, 2 the Twins simply have not won a playoff game and they've faced the Yankees in almost every time since they've been there. So that would suck if they have to face... In a three-game series, I would feel better than in a five or seven, despite them not winning one in any of those series and ever, but was still... Six, 16 straight postseason games? God, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's just, man, if they have to face the Yankees, even in this just weird year, it just keeps happening. It's just meant to be. It's what the Twins are meant for. So, you know, maybe with all the weirdness in 2020, maybe this could be the year that the Twins finally slay the Yankees. I can't even confidently say that, so... Nope. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's just it's too so you, much, so man. You, you don't you don't have the Twins beating the Yankees in a postseason series on your 2020 bingo card? Oh, not in my entire life. I absolutely do not. Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, it is 20. If there was gonna ever gonna be okay, now that I'm thinking about it, if there's ever gonna be one year where it would happen, it would be this year, right? Like stereotypically, right? Maybe I think I said that last year too, just because you know the Twins are good. Uh, but. Oh well, I don't want to face the Yankees. Let's let's skip over the Yankees. Let's not even let's that's not a possibility, all right? We're not gonna do that. <laughs> okay, so let's burn out all our arms and let's win the division so we don't face exactly. the Yankees. Exactly. Absolutely. I don't care what facing as long as if it's not we lose York. to the like, I don't know, eight seed Toronto Blue Jays, that's, that's we don't fine. care about that as much. Right. I don't care. Yeah. Okay. No one will talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to our last thing we're gonna talk about, Albert Pujols. He's not a twin by any means, but he's fun to talk about because he just hit his 660th home run to tie Willie Mays. So just a topic we want to talk about here. Are milestone records as valuable as they once were? For example, the 600 home runs, 3,000 hits, stuff like that. Like, how valuable do you consider them? For me, I think they're great. I think they get you into the Hall of Fame if you automatically get 600 or really 500 homers, right? I mean, maybe, maybe. But 3,000 hits, for sure, I think should get you in there. And I'm a big believer in the cumulative milestones. How about you? So I am. I mean, personally, I definitely look at those career milestones as if a guy is able to play long enough and at a high enough level to achieve Mm -hmm. those types of milestone records, they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And, I mean, obviously, Barry Bonds should be there, but that's a whole different discussion. Um, And and just with Albert Pujols, this is a guy that I grew up watching play. Uh, he broke in the big leagues in 2001. That's kind of right around where I was at an age where I was able to kind of understand what was happening in baseball. And even though I was living in California at the time, you know, Albert Pujols was, he was the guy. 
And I think a lot of people kind of forget what he, how good he was with the St. Louis Cardinals. It's incredible. He has a war over 100 for his career. Wow. But yeah, that's another another new uh, analytical milestone that was fun to look at. (laughs) Right. I mean, so from 2001 through 2016, he never had an OPS plus below 113. His worst was 113 in 2016 at age 36. Yeah. Jeez, he's great, and of course he does. His, he's on this huge contract with the Angels, and he's just super slow. He doesn't have many home runs, but so people, you know, newer fans have no idea how good Pujols was. And even someone like me, I started watching in 09, 2010. It's like Pujols was still great back then, but I missed a lot of his really, really good years. And he came to the Angels, and it's just like hard. It sucks to see him not being the guy he was. Of course, same same deal with like a Miguel Cabrera, like. I want to see right. these guys keep going. Just I want to see how good they were, basically. And yeah, but absolutely, he he's up there and he keeps going with the home runs. He's still hitting them, and I love the cumulative milestones, in my opinion. And the thing too, going back to the cumulative milestones, is in today's day and age with the advanced analytics and, and how we right. evaluate baseball. Albert Pujols hitting his 660th home run is no more valuable for the Los Angeles Angels than some rookie hitting his first big league home run. In terms of a value standpoint, it's just a home run. It's just another sure. run scored, right? And so it loses some of its luster there. But when you have a guy, whether it's Miguel Cabrera or an Albert Pujols, you know, those guys that have been doing this for so long, it is just really nice to, to see that. And I think it is worth recognizing. I think the 500 home run, Mark is being watered down a little bit as more and more guys enter that club. Yeah. But overall, if you play long enough at a high enough level to accomplish those milestones, you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And, and you know, there's guys that are excluded that have reached those numbers and they're excluded for steroids. You know, it's not yeah, just Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, maybe even, you know, Manny Ramirez, uh, you know, those kind of guys and, and Alex Rodriguez. That's a whole different discussion. But overall, <laughs> the career milestone numbers, I think they're still important from even even if you're just from a fan perspective. Um, and, and just Yeah, it's something to watch. It's a reason to watch the Angels. It is. And, and in a way, you know, I'm kind of bummed that we have this shortened season for, well, for a lot of reasons. But mm-hmm. for Albert Pujols or even Miguel Cabrera, you know, this is another year that they could have added on to their – their resume. Not that Albert Pujols needs to do anything more to earn a spot in the Hall of Fame. If he retired tomorrow, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame first ballot easily, <laughs> for sure. unanimous. Yeah. But it's just you know, right. But if he if he has a full season this year and next year, yeah, we might be we might be looking at a guy who could possibly hit the 700 home run mark for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a shame we likely will not see him do that. Same thing goes with guys in their prime, even just like a Mike Trout. Like he's going to lose out on. 100, 102 games like for his career, and that sucks. Just a bunch of guys that, because Mike Trout will eventually be in these record books, home runs, all this stuff. But yeah, just it, and especially the, the old guys for sure. But yeah, Pools. I mean, would he hit forty more if he played hundred, two hundred and sixty-two more games? I mean, I think it's so. possible. Hit, yeah, it might be a stretch when he might right. finish at six hundred and ninety-five or, or whatever. But right. he would at least have. 
a legitimate chance of, of cracking 700, and that's a huge milestone. Absolutely. And I, I think he's retiring as soon as his Angels contract is up. I doubt he continues. No reason for him to, but yeah, so I, I'm, I'm a fan of the cumulative stats. Have they lost their value over the years? Everything has. I mean, with analytics, things just aren't the same, but I, I still love him. A lot of people love him, and yeah, if you hit a certain number, you're still guaranteed to get in the Hall of Fame. So that's that's important, right? And, and, and to tie this back into a Minnesota Twins-related topic, I think if you know if Joe Mauer had more of these legacy stats, we're looking at Joe Mauer as a surefire Hall of Famer. Oh, absolutely. If he, but yeah, due to injuries right. and other things that may or may not been out of, you know, out of his control, he doesn't have a lot of these legacy numbers, and so it's like, well, is he a Hall of Famer? We don't really right. know. Yeah, so you got to go off numbers in his prime, which aren't always as, like, can you do you vote a player in based on his prime? It's difficult. More of long longevity in the Hall of Fame. So, sucks for Mauer. I don't know if he's as likely to get in. I would vote him eventually. So, that's a whole different discussion for a day we have time. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's unless you got any more. That's all we got here, right? I don't have any more. Um, the only thing I was other thing I was thinking is you know, we talked about how the shortened season can potentially hurt some guys' Hall of Fame cases. And I know he opted out this year, but one guy that comes to mind is Buster Posey. You know, he's kind of where Maurer is on that that fringe. Is he Hall of Famer? Sure. Is he not? And the more games he's able to play throughout his career, you would imagine the likelier chances of him getting into the Hall of Fame. And it's just unfortunate, you know, that these guys are in a situation where they're not able to build on that resume due to the circumstances of, of 2020. But it's nice to see Albert Pujols tie Willie Mays and just continue to see great things from one of the greatest players to ever play the game of baseball. Lucky for Posey, he's getting in because he has three World Series titles. He doesn't have to worry about it. Yeah, he does have those. Those were nice. Yep, he's getting in with those, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so yeah, that's all I got. That's all you got over there. And let's, Yeah, you good? I'm good. Awesome. So, thanks for tuning in. Hope to hope you tune in next week too. We'll be right. We'll be back then. So, thank you. Peace out. Have a good night.